We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Fay. With me, as always, Jack Manuel and Jack, part three. Part three, Nick. Yeah, maybe the longest mailbag stretch we've had, but we're going to jump right into it. Jack, where do you want to start? Let's start with, you know what? Let's start with Atlas Company because he's asking us a relevant question given today's news from ESPN and Mark Spears. What's our ceiling if Ben's 100%? I'm not saying it's likely because today we heard that maybe Ben will be 100%, Nick. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, it's honestly something I haven't even really thought about. Like, I've just been hoping that Ben would be 80%, 85%, 90%. I've never really envisioned him at 100% or what it would look like for this team. I think offensively, there's still a huge question mark. You know, can him and Nick Claxton still coexist? Um, You know, that's a question we have to see on the court. But I think ultimately, offensively, his his best skill is being a ball handler, creating for others, you know, spreading the ball out, creating three-point shots. When he was healthy in Philadelphia, you know, he was one of the top guys in the league at, you know, creating three-point opportunities for his teammates. And then also, we kind of have an idea that the Nets want to really push in transition. He's a guy that can get, grab a rebound and go. You know, in limited times last year, we saw it kind of have success, some of those full-court passes he can make. And defensively, I think that's where it would be really exciting. You know, I think you're talking about probably a top five defense if Ben is 100% because you literally have three defensive player of the year candidates and Ben Simmons, Mikel Bridges, and Nick Claxton and some other very good pieces. So I think the really enticing thing about Ben being 100% is the defense and the offense I still think is a little bit of a question mark because of you know two non-shooters being on the floor. But that could change if he is as dominant as he was in terms of attacking the paint and putting pressure on the rim. And also if the Nets could potentially add that stretch big. Yeah. Look, the, the ceiling is, is it's really hard to sort of foresee, but you know, Ben Simmons, all NBA player, all star. Now, if you have Mikhail Bridges, who's in that same sort of, I mean, you have two guys that are all NBA sort of fringe contenders. It's sort of, it, it's, it's like a top four sort of, the team in the east i don't yeah. think that that's going to happen by any stretch of the imagination because i think you need that bona fide superstar and i don't think maybe mikhail takes that leap i don't see it happening ben i don't think is going to get back to the best of his abilities because of all the injury confidence issues that have happened to him in the last couple of sort of seasons but yeah you alluded to you know the skill set that he does possess and how it would 
unlock a, an even greater dynamic defense. And I think that if they had, you know, Ben Simmons, and you know, at his best, that's a top five sort of defense right there. You have Ben Simmons, Nick Claxton, Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, pretty good defender. And then you throw in, you know, Dennis Smith Jr. and a heap of other sort of role players that can do some things there too. I think it also helps the rebounding that, you know, we've been speaking about in different episodes as well. So I think the Nets would be a top five defense as Ben Simmons is at his best. I think the offense could be, average-ish, maybe top 12. And if you're fifth in defense and 12th in offense, that's a top five team in the in the in any any conference. So that's what the ceiling is, though I'm obviously not necessarily saying that the Nets are going to reach that ceiling. I think it's unlikely as our listener pointed out. Yeah, I think it is unlikely. I think, you know, if Ben could get to 80 or 90% this year, we'd be pretty happy because that would be major progress in comparison to what we saw last year and just, you know, him gaining a lot of that confidence back. I think even if he did hypothetically get to 100%, it would be at the end of the season, you know, or the second half of the year. I wouldn't expect it to happen in, you know, October and November. We'll see. The, it's, there's going to be plenty more news, and Nick might be diving a bit deeper over the weekend into some episodes and maybe Ben Simmons. The BS report is already back. I forgot to announce it, but it's part of the mailbag, so it's not really really back back. The last company had another question, Nick. He said, do you think we end up with Hero? We discussed this a little bit on mailbag part two he said he recently started following simmons and dfs on instagram now where do you stand nick where is tyler hero we provide elaborate a little bit on the thoughts that we discussed a little bit on mailbag part two yeah i think you look at the following on instagram thing they could just simply work out together and we saw ben and tyler Hero work out you know follow each other on instagram not really that uncommon i think there's still a chance it could happen it's all a matter of you know when does this Damian Lillard trade come to fruition. And I think the Nets have probably a one in three chance, maybe a two and five chance in terms of landing Tyler Hero, just because they've been one of the teams linked to him. And, you know, there is some competition potentially in the Utah Jazz, San Antonio Spurs or someone like that. But it seems like there are connections and it would make sense for the Nets to add a young, talented player. And it's a rare opportunity because you're not paying full price because it would be, you know, you're being the third team and you're kind of helping Miami and Portland out in this scenario. Yeah. In terms of his best fit, I think his yeah. best fit is on the Brooklyn Nets. So if, you know, Tyler here had some sort of saying this, the way that Damian Lillard is demanding Miami, then I think Tyler would be demanding Brooklyn if he yeah. had that opportunity. But uh, look, I think the likelihood of it happening I'd say slightly less than 50-50 because I think it's somewhat out of the Nets' hands. You know, if the Nets were to throw in two first-round picks, then I think that that would sort of sweeten everything. The deal might already be done right now. The deal would probably be done, but I don't think the Nets are that rash, and I don't think they should be that rash. So, look, I think there is a solid enough chance. I alluded on the last episode, I'm getting more pessimistic about the chances because of the delay, but maybe that's more to do with Damian Lillard, as you sort of said, Nick. But yeah, I think it's, I was probably a, maybe the, the, that percentage would have been closer to 50 or 60 when we were doing these episodes and discussing those rumors a couple of weeks ago. But yeah, I think it might've gone slightly below 50, 50, because I think that there is a lot of haggling involved and the nets can get involved in that. But as you alluded to, because there are other external teams that can get themselves involved too you know the nature of their assets if they really want to get involved in this thing is greater than what the nets can provide too so it's somewhat out of the nets control yeah 100 percent agree it's just kind of how the cards fall you know what exactly are those two teams looking for we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all 
Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Let's get on to a couple more, Nick. We had at Simon89 on Twitter said, what will be considered a successful season, a failure of a season? Now, the over-under is 37.5. I guess the success is over that and the lack of success is under that. I don't know. Yeah, I think making the playoffs, you know, if that's landing the sixth seed or if that's winning a play-in game and getting in the postseason, I think that's the goal. I think, you know, you you know, you didn't tank, you don't have your draft pick. I think you want to see development too. You want to see some progress made, you know, Mikel take that next step, you know, Cam Johnson, take another step, figure out what you have in Cam Thomas and some of the other players in this team, and then move forward. You know, do any of these new newcomers, you know, really pop off and you have to extend them or give them a new deal next summer. That's the ideal scenario. You want to find pieces for a championship team. You know, we know that they're still missing the key superstar or potentially two superstars, but right now it's kind of finding some of those other pieces and making and just building up your talent pool, you know, and your asset pool. So I think those two things are uh, need to happen for it to be success. You know, if guys regress, they don't make the playoffs and they end up with a really high pick. I think that's a failure of a season. Yeah, and especially because the Nets don't have control yep. of their own pick. So that's where, you know, you want the Nets are going to be competitive. They have to be competitive yeah. and they will be competitive because the likes of Mikel Bridges, like that guy plays 80 games in his sleep. So I think that having your best players available for extended periods gives you that opportunity. So I, I like the guy played like 83, 84 games last year. So I think the Nets are going to be around there. It's They're going to be in a similar tier to like Raptors, Bulls, Pacers, maybe the Hawks. They can probably be you know, you know, a fringe six seed if all things do go well. But as you alluded to, I think obviously I want to avoid any semblance of the lottery and getting irksome around that and giving Houston yeah. another juicy sort of 
first round up. But in, in saying that, I think it's more about the process that I'll be looking for that you sort of alluded to, Nick, in terms of the development of the players. Obviously, the hiring of the assistant coaches does reflect that that will be a priority. But I hope it is, you know, a, across the board. You know, it, it's from, you know, Cam Thomas all the way up to Mikhail Bridges at the top of the ladder. And yep. all those guys get opportunities to showcase that growth. You know, we see some, Derek Whitehead moments, you know, Noah Clanny, you know, whether he's growing in the G League or, you know, just all these different sort of things, you know, and if that leads to, you know, succeed, awesome. But if it leads to an eight or nine, then so be it. Like, I think if the Nets finish six, you know, that's like, if you're around the six or seven, you go for that six seed. But if you're seven to 10, I don't really care where they finish from there. Like, you know, games won or loss, I'll be looking more to the development of the players because, it's the foundation of what is the next championship team that the Nets could have. You know, can they be good enough to draw in free agents? Because the nature of how teams are being built now, free agency isn't necessarily you know a, a hot commodity. Or they maybe you know Mikael Bridges becomes best mates with Anthony Edwards at Team USA, and he demands his way out of Minnesota. So like the Nets need to be similar to what they were in the previous iteration, where they drew KD and Kyrie, good enough. You know, you know, that sort of fringe team where everyone loves them. There's a couple of memes and some cool gifts and reaction <laughs> videos that we get. But ultimately, it's going to be about just the foundation and core of this team. Continue to grow, to continuing to develop. And hopefully, that means, you know, a decent amount of wins. Yeah. And obviously, the whole Ben Simmons thing and Nick Claxton taking another step. And also, I think, kind of uh, maintaining an identity. You know, just like having, like something that they're known for at the end of the season. You know, this is what they want to do offensively. This is what they want to do defensively. And at times over the last couple of years, it's kind of just been more of Katie and Kyrie were the identity rather than an actual, you know, scheme or something along those lines. But what do you got next, Jack? Next one, Nick, I have D-Lee. He says, question, everyone praises Mark's offseason. How so? When? One, we took Clowney with Lennon Miller on the board. Two, Walker eats Cam's minutes. Three, Dennis Smith is less than fan fave Subner. Four, Baisley can't rebound. And five, any of these upside signings break out. We only got them for one year. So I think some of those questions are relevant and, and valid. But how do you feel? Why should Sean Marks be getting less praise for the offseason that has happened? Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's necessarily got a ton of praise. I think he's done a solid job. You know, it's not like he's done anything amazing but he hasn't necessarily made any mistakes. He got off of some bad contracts, open opportunities for young guys. And I think uh, those young guys that have signed on one-year deals, I think a lot of people are like, why haven't they been multi-year deals? Why haven't they signed longer? You have to remember it. It's, it goes two ways. You know, these guys don't want to sign long-term deals. They want to sign one-year deals. They want to prove it and then get a big deal next off season. And the nets will have exceptions. They have, will have potential cap space. So, if it works out, they should be able to retain a lot of these guys. They won't be restricted for agents or anything like that, but we've seen in the past, we've seen across the league, you know, you give a guy a chance, you give him an opportunity. He kind of wants to stay with that team if the money's around the same. And I think Darius Baisley, you know, maybe the last two seasons has rebounded well, but I think he rebounded pretty well early on in his career. I'd have to double check the numbers there. And uh, the Lonnie Walker and Cam Thomas thing, I think, you know, competition brings out the best in players. And I think also the Nets just don't have enough offensive firepower where they can really complain about having, you know, two guys with good offensive skill at the same position. And it's not like we haven't seen across the NBA, you know, play multiple guards, you know, two guard, three guard lineups. You know, and the Nets have done that a lot in the past. Obviously, fans have hated it, but it's not like it's uncommon for the other 29 teams either. 
Yeah, beggars can't be choosers. Uh, at the yeah. end of the day, you just got to add guys with talent, and obviously there is clear gaps in terms of rebounding and that sort of thing. So I think you can make arguments for moves that haven't been made, as you alluded to. You know, it's a C sort of off season. I think yeah. that you can grade each sort of deal and go, oh, that Cam Johnson deal is nice. That's probably like a, a B sort of plus, and then. You know, adding the talent of of Lonnie Walker and Dennis Smith Jr. are nice moves, but when you look at collectively, there are still some not glaring holes, but holes in the roster, and some of that is out of the net's control. You know, certain guys can't be picked up. Certain, it's just it's. I think that and when it comes to the draft sort of thing, I think we need to just wait a little bit. Yeah, I agree that I would have loved Cam Whitmore and the Nets traded up for him. You know, he went to pick 20 to, to the Houston Rockets and yeah, Lennon Miller. You know, I, he was a guy good. I loved, but I mean, I'll still give Noah Clowney a chance. You know, I think a lot of people have jumped the gun on him where it's like he turned 19 in the second week of summer league, let him develop. And, you know, if Sean Marks has done one thing pretty well, it's been finding big men, you know, especially in the first round. Dayron hasn't really worked out, but Nick Claxton looks awesome. Jared Allen's made an all-star game. He's gotten paid, you know, like getting, getting a starting level player in the 20s is good. Like you're not necessarily anticipating a guy hitting at that spot. And just one more note, I definitely think Dennis Smith Jr. is better than Edmund Sumner in terms of what he provides defensively. And I think the only thing Sumner really does better, in my opinion, is his three-point shot is just, you know, instead of being like an F, a D plus. Yeah, yeah, I think he and I and there was like one month, I think, when we were uh analyzing the Dennis Smith Jr. signing where he shot like 43%. Yeah. It was like in October, and then it was like 18, 22, 30. Um, not great numbers. So we'll see. I don't think it's gonna be great next season yeah. either, but yeah, the, the Nets have contract the years, gracier things have happened in contract years. Yeah, <laughs> true, true, true. Um, but we'll get to a final couple of questions. A few people hit us up in the DMs. First one is solidarity forever. If big if Sim Sims can return to all-star level. I think he could be like adding Jason Kidd to the Nets 22 years ago with a team built to defend first and run non-stop with not Simmons as a leader, but Mikael Bridges and Claxton just coming into his own and deep. They can go a lot further than some people think. Well, I think we sort of discussed that a yeah. little bit earlier, but I think it's, it's just if like you can't just, everything has to be if, 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 if. It's and, a big and, if to play like Jason Kidd did for those early 2000 Nets teams that went to the finals. I think that's a giant if I'd like to see Ben be healthy for three months before I even, you know, keep those two in the same sentence. Yeah. We've probably got like 10 game sample sizes of Ben Simmons where I'm like, Oh, yeah. okay. He's kind of figuring things out. And, you know, you don't need 10 game sample sizes. You need 50, 60, 70, 80 game sample sizes. Yep. And look, as we alluded to, we discussed Ben Simmons a little bit on the previous episode as well about, you know, the the environment that is being cultivated and what's being said. You know, what was said through ESPN seems pretty clearly through his representation as a way of sort of hyping him up a little bit, but so be it. But prove it before we see it and yeah. we'll, we'll we'll see how it goes. Actually speak louder than words. Final one from Corey Cantonick who hit you up in the DMs as well. Again, guys, you can hit us up in the DMs anytime and we'll discuss any of the topics you guys bring to us in the offseason. He said, I think my question is essentially for you guys that this is the year of dealing with Ben and Clax. I find it hard to believe that both are in the Nets long-term plans. I'm curious if you see a scenario where one or both is in their final year of the Nets and how the front office should approach it. Now, I remember looking through the stats and I think I tweeted a couple of weeks ago about Ben Simmons and Nick Claxton's numbers. When Katie and Kyrie on the floor, very good. When not so, very bad. Now, yeah. if the Nets were to, and I've said, like, you know, obviously as a rosy optimist, that if you had Mikhail Bridges and Tyler Hero, again, the Nets don't even have Tyler Hero yet, then is that just like, you know, a facsimile of those sort of guys? Maybe, but I, I don't think it obviously <laughs> compares to the elite nature of both of those players. But 
maybe that's where it can work. But I don't think it can work right now with how the roster is currently constructed. I, I think as well because the spacing is really, really average. I guess yeah. it is. I don't think it's bad, but it it's might mediocre. end up being. It's mediocre. So I think that, and obviously the clack scenario of him being eligible for an extension and seeing the likes of Nikola Bucevic, Jakub Pertl, these sort of guys getting 20 million per, per annum. I think Klax can get that, if not maybe a little bit more, depending on what he shows this season. So, and are you willing to pay Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, Nick Claxton a combined $70, $80 million? So I'm going to entirely hear that's another $30 million there. Maybe, I don't know. That's not my job to figure that out. It's Sean Marks. So I think that there are scenarios where we could see Ben and or Clax being traded. I think because Ben's contract is nearing expiration and that's where the value continues to improve. And maybe he proves something before that deadline. And it's just like, cool, let, let's trade him for some first rounders and clear a bit of space there. Maybe we get something in free agency or just have that asset of having a bit of space. And because the Nets are in Brooklyn, in New York, they have the nature of being a destination team, even if people might not necessarily believe it. So I could see any, any scenario where one, both of them are traded. I think it's unlikely that both of them are traded because I think we need someone who can yeah. rebound the basketball. And I think both of them are our best rebounders on the roster right now, to be honest. Yeah, I think looking at the scenario, it's just like even at the his best, you know, Ben and Clax probably don't mesh, you know, unless Clax just magically develops a three point shot this year, which is unlikely. And even then, you know, but we have seen a little bit of. Yeah, I mean, you have seen it and it was a thing in college and, you know, he's knocked down a few jumpers in the NBA. But at the end of the day, I don't think you're unlocking the best version of both guys when they're playing together. And this year you can kind of you know have a bigger sample size. I think as we've talked about, Ben is more likely to be traded you know, next off season, unless there's like a superstar trade on the table and the Nets can, you know, move him as kind of the salary filler for, I don't know, Donovan Mitchell or somebody like that. If something like that popped up um, and Claxton also could get moved if the Nets don't feel confident that they're going to be able to retain him because he is an unrestricted free agent. And who knows if he really wants to stay in Brooklyn, like obviously from a PR perspective, he's going to consistently say like, I love Brooklyn. I want to play here long-term, but if someone's offering him 10 million more a year, he's going to take that deal and leave. So I think the Nets obviously have a better feel for those guys than we do uh, at a public level, but also on the court, I think it's pretty obvious both guys probably won't be at their best together. And, you know, with Ben's contract still being hefty and Clax likely to get, you know, I think he's likely to get probably 20 to 25 mil a year. And if he even takes more strides forward, it could be higher. Or there could be one of these random teams that opens up cap space, doesn't have a center, is filled with a whole bunch of young guys, and they want to add a really good defensive-minded player. You know, I don't know if OKC had some money and they wanted to add Clax with their core, or, you know, there's been mentions of Houston in the past. So I don't know. We'll see how it all kind of plays out. But I think Corey's right in the sense that it's unlikely both guys are in the Nets' long-term future. Yeah, watch this space. Yeah. All right, Jack. Anything else we get out of here? Nah, mate. Good to keep chatting. And again, hit us up with those questions. Hit us up in the DMs. We'll be continuing to produce a little bit of content over the offseason and we'll be figuring some stuff out. But it's a Nets world, baby. It always is and always will be. Yeah. Well, big thanks, everybody, for listening. And check out the buzz on all streaming platforms. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. 
at hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.